There he is, uh, laid back in his, his what is this, your, your study there, Baller? Yeah, it was a, one of the kids' bedrooms. Uh, the kids were all grown up now, so uh, one of the kids' bedrooms we turned into an office. It's, it's, you need to have a home office, right? Yeah, it, you do. Um, yeah, so I, this is where I uh, work during the week. Um, so, yeah, this is where I am. I think it's just be strange for people to see you. That's what I mean by this, in, a, in an office. They just, they've got this <laughs> idea of what you are, and it is. So many years after your career, and I know you and I've known you for a long time, and it's not who you are, but because the hard man of the Melbourne Football Club through the <laughs> 80s and 90s, early 90s, who it just does it doesn't sit well with me when I meet you. It's like, no, he, no, he's not. He's a, he's a bit of a, a puppy dog. <laughs> Loves yeah, him. well, I think, um, I think you know, when I was playing footy, I was a Garbo, right? So yeah. <laughs> I was a Garbo, I was a um, labourer. So all of those things that you're talking about right now, I was probably doing when I was playing footy. Yeah. But as we get older, those things become a little bit harder. So you need to get a job that you can actually keep working for a long time. So I'm pushing a pen or I'm on the computer, uh, on the phone, yeah. uh, as a sales guy, um, doing my thing. Yeah, good on you, mate. Now, for the people that are watching, you don't know this about Baller. He's been behind the scenes one of the greats in terms of bringing our club together. He is the president of the past players, our Melbourne Football Club past players, and has done a power of work and really turned it all around. And it wasn't hard, was it, Baller? Because Nita was the last president and there wasn't much going on there, was there? <laughs> well, look, I, I, um, I've said this many times that um, when I came down with a young bloke from the, from the country at 17, um, walked into the footy club, the footy club became my family straight away. Um, all, the, all the players there became my great mates and, um, was spent 10 or 13 years there playing and then had a little hiatus over in Tassie for three years, coaching over there, your neck of the woods, yep. down, in Ho- down in Hobart, the mighty New Norfolk uh, footy club, mm. and then came back. And uh, when I got back, uh, obviously the footy club dragged, well, not the footy club dragged me back. I went back to the footy club and just connected with all of those um, fast players again and joined the committee. And it was just a natural thing for me. And, then I ran for Neil for um, for seven years, which you were out there doing your thing. Mm. Um, my first year was actually that um, 2000 grand final. Yeah. It was amazing for me to be involved again and to be running in an AFL or to be out there involved in an AFL grand final. Mm. Um, so being involved as a, on the committee for the past day, um, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a chore. It's something that I just love and the connection um, and um, – providing opportunities for people to get together is what, what I love to do. Yeah, and you've done that. You've brought us all back. And there's a lot of guys that weren't too engaged with our football club because it wasn't that success around the club through, you know, the 80s, the 70s, uh, and, and they've just gone away and not come back and you've been charged with this thing and you've got them all back, mate. It's just wonderful. There's plenty more to go, of course, and we're still working on yeah, it. Yeah, but absolutely. Let's go right back, mate, because uh, you, you first walk into the club, young kid, and you've got a nickname straight away. Everyone wants to know why you're called Balls. How can you get a nickname Balls? There must be something going on there down below. <laughs> no, well, that's what everyone thinks. But uh, Chris Connolly used to say to me all the time, he said, look, if people ask you, just say you always had a footy in your hand or you always had a had a cricket ball or a, yeah. a tennis ball or a basketball. Um, but I just I tell people the truth. Yeah. Right? Now, now, the, now, the truth is, so when I came down as a young fellow, um, had promised me a job. Um, come down, I go, great. So there was two uh, players, current day players at the time, that were carpenters and they were 
working over at the MCG, yep. renovating our changing. Mm-hmm. And Ray Manley, who was our, um, uh, what would you call him, general manager, of, or I don't know what his title was, but anyway, he was sort of looking after us. He goes, right, I want you to, I've got, got some work for you to go over and help Paul O'Brien and Scott Suffolk. Mm-hmm. And I went, right, oh, no, no worries. So I meet him, I go over there and I get introduced to as um, um, Rod Bridget from Katandra West. He's a young guy who's coming down to play with our club. He's here to help. And uh, so I got introduced to Paul and, and Scott. And as we as the day went on, we sort of got friendly and sort of, you know, there was a little bit of banter going on. Yeah. They were just doing their thing and they'd forgotten my name. As you do sometimes when you meet you meet someone for the first time, they forgot my name. Yeah. But during during the day, they were calling themselves cock because balls like yeah, hey cock, we need you to come over and do this. Hey, hey balls, we need you to come over and do this, right? Yeah. So that was going on during the day, and I was calling them Paul and and, and Scott, yeah, Obi, Obi and Scotty, and um, we were training at the G. The, the senior boys were training at the MCG, and they started to come in. Uh, after work, yep. to get ready to go to training. So Obi and Scotty are there doing their thing, and I'm there helping them. And so you know, Peter Giles, Robbie Flower, Shane Zanta, yeah. Peter Moore, they all walk in and they say, "G'day, Obi. G'day, Scotty. You go, oh, who's your mate?" And they go, oh, "That's balls. That's balls." <laughs> and so my first introduction to all the senior players at Mel- at the Melbourne Footy Club. Uh, was balls. Balls, and it's stuck ever since. Like, like blue. So yeah. now, anyone that mentions, you know, if I'm in a crowd or if I'm walking around, someone yells out balls. Yeah. Well, I know that I've known them for a long time, and they know me closely. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's awesome. It's it's a rite of passage, isn't it? Receiving a uh, nickname once you get to a football club or any club anywhere, you feel accepted into the group if you've got a yes. a nickname. Yeah. Pretty easy for me. Yeah. Well, You've got to have them. You've got to have them. Everyone's got them. Unless you're, you know, you're Brad Smith, you know, your nickname's going to be Smitty, which is pretty. Or yeah. Russell Roberts. It's Robert. going to be Robert. <laughs> it's right? it's so awesome. if you're Rod Grinter, what are you? Rodney, are you Grinch? Um, I was, when I was young, my nickname was uh, Jess. Oh, really? And the reason my nickname was Jess back then, through all my mates that I went to school with and grew up with, uh, we had a thing going, and it, and it happens. Um, now I think is that uh, we used to call each other by our mother's name, right? As as young kids growing yeah, up, so right. yeah, it was um, so my mother's Jessie, uh, Jessie so I was Jess, and yeah, you know, it could be um, uh, all those old names, yeah. So, so that's what my nickname was. So you couldn't get really get a nickname out of Rob Grinter. No, you can't. It isn't. It isn't natural, is it? You know. Yeah. Right. We had um, Chuka Brock McLean. Um, a lot of people ask, how'd you get chooker? Well, that was because Nathan Brown decided that we needed a chooker at the club. And that was it. <laughs> that's how you got yours. Your chooker, and it stuck like glue, you know. That's uh, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. love that. Um, now, mate, um, you were at the club at a pretty successful time. So we're going to a grand final, mate. You just talked about 2000 and uh, being the runner there. But you had your taste of some finals as well. And one of the big ones, as much as you'd hate to talk about it, was the prelim out at Waverley where yeah. Jimmy Steins has run through the market. It's a pretty infamous moment at the Melbourne Football Club that I feel we need to talk about um, because that's what people want to know because it's part of our history. And yeah, like, yeah. like it or lump it, and a lot of people like it because it's pretty infamous. So talk me through what was yeah. going through your head when that happened. Well, yeah, you're right. We've got over the pain now. It's a fair while ago. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, you watch it and you see it and you just, oh, what if, what if, you know. So that, that particular year in 87 was the first time that Melbourne made the final since 1964. Jeez. Um, so it was an amazing sort of achievement just getting into the finals. And getting into the finals, we had to beat Butchgrey out of Butchgrey. Yeah. And Hawthorne had to beat Geelong in Geelong. Yep. Uh, if that didn't work, I think I've got that right. I might be the other way that around. That sounds but, right to me, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we did what we had to do and uh, Hawthorne did what they had to do. So we made the final. And we fin- like, finished fifth. Yeah. It was the top five, so we finished fifth and we scraped in. And um, we, had, we had to play North and Sydney. Mm. Um, now, I missed out on playing in the, uh, the last home and away game and the first two finals. Uh, because I'll give you give you one guess why I was not playing. You were suspended. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right, so unfortunately, on round twenty, um, I think it was twenty one. Uh, I uh, collided with um, uh, Muddy Waterman from the West Coast. Yeah. And I got I got three weeks. So I missed the last home and away. Yeah. I thought my season was I thought my season was done, but I kept training. And then we played, I'm not sure of the order, whether it's Sydney or North, but uh, I do my training with Steve Henry Lawson, who was our fitness advisor, mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday morning before they play. And then I sit in the grandstand and watch them, watch them play, obviously. And I think uh, we beat the first team, whether it was North or Sydney, by 100 points. Yeah. And I'm going, check. I go home and I do a bit more training and then train the house down during the week and we come up against the next team. And we do. I do my Sunday, Saturday morning training with Steve and... Uh, come and watch, and by half time we're eighty points up. We're just smashing, mm-hmm. uh, smashing them, which meant I'm available. Yeah. I'm available to play in the prelim. So at half time I left, yeah. and I went home and I ran ten k, um, trained the house down all week, and got myself into the team mm-hmm. for that preliminary final at full forward. And I played back all year. Yeah, I was. I started on, on Gary Buckinara and. We all know the story that Melbourne had to win for three quarters. Um, we dominated the game for three quarters, mm. except for that last quarter. And that last quarter, I got moved. Stephen Newport was playing on Gary Buckinara on the ball. Yeah. And um, he got Gary Buckinara got moved to full forward, which is not a real no. great spot for Newey. Mm. So the runner came out and said, uh, Ball, you, you've got to go down and pull back on Gary Buckinara. And it was sort of halfway through the last quarter. So I've, I've bowled down there and um, we've had two or three reasonably simple shots of goal in that last quarter and missed them. Yeah. And uh, we would have put the game out of reach. Mm. Then we get to, you know, there's sort of like two minutes to go. I'm not sure who it was who was running in and, and missed the game. I'm not going to drop anyone <laughs> in here. Um, missed the goal. They kick it in, go straight down the middle and I'm chasing Gary Buckner. He led. And I tripped over his feet yeah. and obviously pushed him in the back. He gets a free kick. Yeah. The siren is sounding while I'm standing on the mark and Gary's going back. And it looked like he was going back to kick a talk yeah. about 50 out. And because nobody could hear the siren, um, Gary, um, Dipper, he'd run down the wing to try and get a bit, a bit closer to goal. Yeah. And Jimmy was in the middle of the ground. So Jimmy just went straight to, to pick up Dipper and ran in between me and Bucky, mm. which we all know. 15. It was a 15-meter penalty, and then Bucky went back and did a nice easy top punt. Mm. And so so I got off the hook. <laughs> so I gave away the free kick. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy 
and the blokes that missed the, missed the goals that should have kicked them, yeah, they yeah. got off the hook because Jimmy uh, was the person that ran through the mark and that's what everybody remembers. You can't say anything more about it, really. It's just the way... Football, I said to someone, because they were asking me, you know, you, should Jonesy play in the grand final this week? And Nathan Jones, poor Nathan Jones. And we do feel really, really horrible for him because he has, by all intents and purposes, been the, the, the heart and soul, the rock of our club for a long time, and he's not getting to play in this grand final. But there are yep. no fairy tales in, in, in elite sport and professional sports, is there? It has to be, you know, heartbreaking sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, look, at 88, if we go to 88, um, just quickly, that was a heartbreak story there. Stephen O'Dwyer gets rubbed out in the prelim yeah. uh, against Carlton. And he was he was our best in Paris that year. So he was all, he was like Thorny. He was like Thorny there. He was super all year. Yeah. And playing the prelim, and it was a, just a, a little, really little round, um, met nothing, but he got a week mm. and missed the granny. Um, so, and there's obviously lots and lots of stories about you know, Nathan, you're right, and there's a um, fantastic footy club, three-time best and fairest, captain, one one club, uh, and had been through um, the worst times mm. for the footy club and stuck back with us. Yeah. And it's just a shame that he's got to that point, like we all do in our footy career, you did it, I did it, yeah. where you come to the end. And unfortunately for him personally, our club, which is... Fantastic, uh, firing, and you can't get in the team. Yeah, um, it's, it's just tough. We all feel for it. We all feel for it. Yeah, we do. And what was the biggest spray you got when you were a runner? Was it me? Um, no, biggest spray. Biggest spray. Wizard. Look, look, there was lots of them because we all know we all know what Neil was like. Um, there was actually there was actually times during my running career with Neil that early doors that. I couldn't understand what he was saying. So what we ended up doing, we ended, right. up, we ended up giving feedback to um, uh, Chris Fagan to say, Fags, mate, if you want me to continue to run and give the correct message, yeah. I can't continue to have Neil give the message because he screams down the phone to a point where it's you just can't understand what he said. So what ended up happening was that Fags would have the phone Neil would be yelling like he normally does yeah. the message, and then Fags would repeat the message. So you get the message twice, twice. <laughs> um, before we had to go out and deliver it. And um, oh, look, there was plenty, mate. There's too many to um, yeah. to reel off. Um, and I always looked after you, Blake. So if you if you cop, yeah. go out and tell Russell Robinson <laughs> that he doesn't do this. I go, Robo, mate. Just Get in front of you, man. Make sure. Any chance? You know, spoil from behind. Just spoil from behind, mate. Any chance you lay a tackle? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> oh, they were great days, mate. But, you know, that was the time where you usually, you know, there wasn't so many rotations, was there? Now they just know yeah. they're coming off. So they willingly come off really quickly and then go back on. But yeah. we, if we went off, we knew we were off for probably two quarters and we hated that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, now, absolutely. And back in... Back in my day, mate, if you came off, if you came off because you were playing terribly, and yeah. you only went back on if somebody got, got injured. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of injury, and of course, we talk about the big things because we've got not very long because uh, you know we've got so many people we want to talk to, and uh, yep. the big, doing a great job. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big things that we got to talk about uh, in your career are those final series, which were were unbelievable. Jimmy Steins, Robbie Flower. I want to get a quick 
um, summation on him as a person because he still to this day goes down as in the hearts of many Melbourne supporters that were of that vintage as the greatest player that we've ever had. So, you know, you were there right there with him. What made him so great? Robbie was um, he was my first captain, I think. Yeah, I think he was my first captain. I uh, was under duress. But he was, a, like for me, coming from the country and obviously playing in the under-19s and the reserves, um, Robbie was like God within the footy club because of who he, how he played and how he held himself and how he was sort of held in the whole community. And, um, so once you get to play with a guy or you get to know a person uh, personally rather than from a buck, he... He was just a really genuine, nice person. Yeah. A super, super um, good bloke. Yeah. Really good bloke. Um, and he had this ability to play at, at a level that was above everyone else. Um, but he wasn't that type of person that was um, arrogant, you know, had an ego. Yeah. He was the total opposite. He was um, very encouraging and involving. Uh, and that's what made I obviously kept a relationship up with Robbie. Um, post, um, post his footy career, um, you know, he'd come along to lots of, um, lots of functions and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and he was just a, uh, an outstanding human being. Yeah. And he, we obviously, um, fortunately lost him way too early. Absolutely. Um, the one I do want to talk to you about, mate, is, is I don't want to talk about Plough because that's been done to death and that was a big thing, of course, and many, many weeks and, you know, you hit him obviously going for the ball for mine, it's just one of those things in football. But the big one I want to talk about, tell us about the time you stole a car. I think that's... The, <laughs> I think that, well, that's what this, the people want to know. This was the start of a... This was the start of a... Um, uh, an unbelievable year for, for the Melbourne City Club and for me. It was 1988. 1988, we played in the Grand Final. Um... Now, this was a pre-season training camp in Mansfield um, where back then uh, there would be, we would have had 70 blokes invited to do a pre-season with Melbourne. Yeah, so yeah. if you were playing in country footy and you, you, know, you know, you're reasonably good, you got invited to come and train with Melbourne, impressed enough, you potentially got um, put on the list. Yep. So this particular year, John Lordy, because we played in 87 and it was, we got, you know? Yeah. Um, so we all wanted to get back to where we, you know, we wanted to be in the grand final. Yeah. So we trained really hard over the preseason, or sort of sorry over that break. And John Lordy had said to us, "When we come back, we're going on a camp, and we're going to go to Mansfield. Yeah. And I'm going to let you know what the biggest challenge is going to be for the for the camp, and that's going to be that we're going to run up uh, Mount Buller. Yeah. It's 15 kilometres." All the way. So that's so that sort of said to us, you know, you go back to November when we start our pre-season. It was always the Wednesday after the Melbourne Cup we started our pre-season. We trained our backsides off because we knew yeah. that once we got on this um, this camp that um, we're going to have to run that ball. Yeah. So we did that. There were 70 odd blokes there and John had also included their partners come on that camp. So yeah. it was very impressive. It was um, everybody sort of knew everybody and we're staying at this place and on, so we on the Saturday morning we all meet bottom of the mountain and away we go yeah. we 
layoff man now for somewhere on bikes it could have been harder than bloody running yeah, those bikes yeah. that had um you know um uh, knees or weak knees or whatever um so at the end of it john uh was super impressed with our performance and the way that we tracked up there and did what we did he said um not boys i want you to go let your hair down and relax go and have a couple of beers yep so we all walked down. If you imagine, like, it's probably lights yeah. from a from a pub in a pub, yeah. and we're all having a few beers. And because we train so hard, like, you have two beers and you're half touched. What? You're half done. <laughs> um, anyway, then um, you stay there and you have too much, obviously, and you stay that extra hour that you shouldn't. Yeah. And we ended up getting kicked out. It was a bit of trouble. We ended up getting kicked out. And we, we, most of them, most of the boys went home. Yeah. Um, but it was about half a dozen of us that went back to a um, to a local's place. He invited us back for a few more beers because we hadn't had enough of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, we ended up leaving there really late. And on the way home, there was a, we was just doing some shenanigans, just as young stupid boys do, you know, yeah. walking down a laneway. Yeah. We were throwing a few rocks, a few roofs, and just doing stupid things. It was like about. I don't know, one in the morning, so just doing something. Yeah. Right. Um, one of the boys um, picked up a brick, yeah. and and that, that's what's in that photo. There's a brick over there because everybody, everybody blamed me for throwing the brick through the window. Yeah. But this brick went through, it didn't make the roof, it went through a window. Oh, God. So the people obviously in that house had woken up to this, and we're just walking up from this road. Yeah. I was walking up this road, and this car comes flying down the road, yelling abuse at us and went, oh, what the hell? And everybody just took off. Yeah. So one went straight up the middle of the road. I jumped over into front of someone's front yard and just like because it was dark, just yeah. in the grass. Yeah. Somebody went that way and somebody went that way. Anyway, the bloke happened to stop his car right out the front of where I was flying on the grass. Yeah. And he got out of his car and it was running and left the door open and started chasing the guy that one of the players that went straight up the middle of the road. So I, Pop my head up over the fence and went, oh, here's a chance for me to get away from this little <laughs> little incident. So I jumped in the car and took off. And I'm, the bloke fell, oh, oh. I'm just going around him. And oh it was nothing. Obviously, you started it off, you prefaced it by saying that I pinched the car. Well, it wasn't really pinching the car, I just borrowed his car. All I had to do was turn left and I was home, but I went right and, um, you yeah, know, got lost. and Ended up getting into a fair amount of trouble. Let me tell you, Russell. Yes, you can only imagine that you, you're going away to do something, which is, you know, bring the club together. You know, we're going to get fit. And you end up committing grand theft auto. You didn't, I, I get why you did it. It was just like, oh, well, it's right there. I might as well, you know, well, use it. I might as well to... use it to get home and go to bed. Because the next morning, you know, the next morning we had to get up at like, um, I think it was 5.30, 6 o'clock to do a triathlon. Yeah. Um, and I had a 20... 20-kilometre bike ride and somebody did a run league and somebody did a swim, yeah. swim league. So I didn't end up getting home for reasons that I won't mention, but didn't get home until probably 4 o'clock, yeah. 4.30. Yeah. And my now wife, who was my then girlfriend, yeah. um, was in the room and she said, where the hell have you been? Don't worry. Talk about it later. <laughs> put my bike shorts on, put my gear on and went out and did my training and then had to go and happened and 
Oh my god, not not good. Not good. He did get caught, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, the uh, there was a little bit of trouble there from a senior player at the Melbourne Football Club. You can only imagine <laughs> what would happen today if one of the one of the AFL players stole oh. a car. <laughs> They, they might even they might even de the footy club for whatever. Yeah, I think they probably would, mate. Oh, it's a great story, and every single time you tell it, I, I have to laugh because I, I I guess I can see myself doing the same thing. You know, you just you're drunk, you're like, oh well, I'll just use that to get out of the way. Next thing you know, the cops are on you. So yeah, no, there you yeah, go, there you go, mate. Now we'll finish up by saying you had a. A great career with the Melbourne Football Club. Everyone still remember. I mean, they remember characters. They remember, you know, they remember me for my marks. They remember the wizard because of his goals. They remember. They remember you because you were a hard man of the AFL. Do you do you like that? You like that idea that you were because you did play in a hard time. It was harder than now, and you played it hard. I don't mind it, and I sort of actually feel okay. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of my footy, I think what happens is, you know, I did play for ten years. Um, I played in 12 finals. Yeah. I played in a grand final. Yeah. And all, all of that ability, if you like, um, gets pushed aside. It does. And focuses on the, the tough, rough, and hard stuff. Yeah. Not that I can And I'm not, you know, I'm listening in my own pocket, but um, you can't play for 10 years. No. Play over 100 games and play in an AFL grand final. No, that's true. You can't play. It's absolutely true, and it's and can be said for a lot of people. I think there was in our WhatsApp group because I'll get you to comment on that in a minute. Our WhatsApp group, um, someone posted about Jacko, um, uh, yes. not, not not Alan Jakovic. No, uh, I'm an individual Jacko. Yeah, you can't fool me. You can't yeah. fool me. He he was a terrific player. He was averaging seventy goals for the Melbourne Football Club for the couple of years that he was there. You, that not an average player gets that, and that's hard to no. do. And that and that's right, and that gets lost, mate. It gets lost in. It gets lost in what people want to see yeah. and want to hear. Yeah. Um, because that little dark side of people or that little controversial thing is like, you know, what a cool thought. Oh, they don't say, oh, what about the, you know, the, what we, when we talk about Robbie Flower, yeah. what a cool talk is all about, oh, what about the way that he ran down the wing and he bounced and he cut the court and he took a left kick and kicked the goal. Yeah. They're the sort of things that get talked about Robbie in those situations. But there's not too many people that get spoken about like that. It's yeah. all about, like, you know, like little sneaky little cow. How funny is that? And we talked about, you know, I've, I've had a conversation just recently with Gary Rowan. Yeah. Like Gary Rowan wasn't on his own in that preliminary final. Yeah. The, the, the rubbish that he's copped oh. over that performance well, basically, people saying he's because he can't play, yeah. he shouldn't be in the team. But then you look at his body of work mm. throughout the start of the year, he was outstanding for yeah. the long footy club. Yeah. And then there's one game that everybody remembers or everybody focuses on, yeah. and that gets forgotten. And that happens with me a little bit, even though I'm not that uh, precious that I don't mind people talking about that yeah. hard and tough stuff because it's what people want to talk about here and it's easy to talk about that rather than oh you had a great left foot kick or you, you took a good mark yeah you, yeah whatever whatever the conversation might be so i don't mind it yeah but it's um that's uh, you know the, the reason why i'm here talking to you and the reason why i'm involved in the club is because 
I played for the club yeah. um, that was in the VFL AFL. And you did it very well, mate. And lastly, the WhatsApp group. It's pretty inspiring at the moment with all the past players in there. Neil Danaher started one. There's a running group one. And there's also just one that you've recently started that is chock-a-block full of guys that have played 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s to today. And I am loving the banter. I'm loving the photos that have been put up of guys doing pre-season in 1983 you know, yep. some of the get-ups the guys were wearing, their hairdos <laughs> and, and the comments and all that sort of stuff. It's just been brilliant, hasn't it? And it's been largely a lot to do with you, mate. Yeah, look, um, what happened was um, Matty Goodrow at the footy club rang me and, and said, Rod, we want to get um, – um, yeah, we wanted to do something, right? Yeah. So uh, – um, and and I said, oh, look, I've got a great idea. Said, I've got a lot of phone numbers in my phone. I'll start a WhatsApp group site. I sat down after I spoke to Maddie and I went through my phone. I ended up with a hundred, yeah, hundred past players that I had numbers in my phone that had a WhatsApp account. Yeah, and then I started this um, uh, past players MFC. Yep. And um, then once I started that, and I said welcome all, and I had a bit of a spiel on why this, and obviously it's a build up to the grand final, and let's just keep talking about it and whatnot. Well, now that's over a hundred. And it goes back to people that have, haven't been engaged to talk to anyone. Sometimes there's guys there that haven't reached out or touched, spoken to anyone for 23 years. Yeah. Um, and they're on there actively posting stuff and saying, oh, how good is that? Remember this, remember that. So we talked about what I do with the past players and how I love the connection and that's what I love to do. And, and this and what the current day boys have been able to do is help create that connection mm. of a lot of history in our footy club. And, and you and me on the footy, on the past players committee are the custodians of our history. Yeah. And that's what our job is, is to, to make sure that everybody is um, involved, engaged and can connect. And once we get out of this bad world, when we can have functions and get together, I think the next one we have will be um, will be well attended by a lot of past players because of this connection. I think so too. It's been uh, it's been hard to get everyone together over the uh, last however many years. It's getting better, and I feel like now after what we've done through this lockdown period and the excitement of the way the team's going at the moment, we're going to have a massive uh, ACU, which is your get up at the end of the year, the big the big Christmas party, uh, mate. It's been an absolute joy talking to you about some of the old times. I know when we when we win this weekend, yep. there'll be no one more emotional and uh, charging with a few beers than your great self, mate, because you love your D's baller. You're a legend. Thanks, mate. Good on you, Russell. You're doing a great job, and thanks very much for having me on. Well done. Good on you, Bulls. See you, mate. See you, mate.